0: Christmas Traditions with Ligon Duncan on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Heath Lambert and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. It is Christmas time, and as has become our custom on Truth and Love, we want to invite a Christian minister onto the podcast and just find out some more about him. Uh, this week, we are just thrilled to welcome Dr. Ligon Duncan to the podcast. He is the Chancellor and Chief Executive Officer of the Reformed Theological Seminary, and by the time you're listening to Truth and Love, most of you will probably be familiar with that, but we're glad you're here, Dr. Duncan, because we want to find out some more about you and your family and how you saw Celebrate Christmas.
1: Well, I'm thrilled to be here with you, Heath. Merry Christmas. Merry
0: Christmas to you. So most people listening to this are going to be familiar with you, be familiar with your ministry. But for those who maybe haven't been introduced to you as fully or may not be aware of all that you're doing, give us a taste of your ministry and how you came to be in service in that
1: way. Uh, I grew up in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, my mother was a godly Southern Baptist who uh, strayed into Presbyterianism, <laughs> uh, and uh, she's a graduate of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Actually, right. cataloged the church music library no at kidding. Southern when she was a student in when the nineteen fifties. Nineteen fifties, and uh, then she uh, she taught. Uh, she was a, a choir director in Baptist churches in Tennessee. Uh, North Carolina and Georgia before joining the music faculty at Furman University in the late nineteen fifties and that 's where she and my dad met and so i grew I grew up in a home where my mom was the music director at my local church my dad was an elder in my congregation, so the church was very much at the center of life mm-hmm. and um and uh I, I, you know, from my earliest days, remember having conversations with my mom, my mom about the gospel, mm. and she was sort of the theologian of my life, okay. and uh, we had wonderful conversations. I, 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 made a public profession of faith in Christ and was baptized at the age of ten. A lot of people don't know I was baptized as a believer. Okay. So you um, got to come my, and my, 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 my <laughs> Southern Baptist mother uh, wasn't she wasn't ready for infant <laughs> baptism yet, even though she's married a Presbyterian. Okay. Um, I, uh, I, I I I think that was a genuine profession of faith, but I was theologically confused. Okay. Uh, even though I'd been taught really good Bible preaching, a really good faithful biblical teaching, I think it was a closet Arminian. Okay. And uh, I went to youth conference when I was 14 years old and heard a pastor preaching on Ephesians 1, hmm. and I suddenly realized, okay, before I ever— reached out to God in faith, he had already reached out to me in grace. And the only reason I reached out to him in faith is because he had reached out to me in grace. And when I got that straight, suddenly my struggles with assurance just... They, they they were done. Okay, and that had such a profound effect on me. In combination with my youth pastor, who was just amazing, really poured his life into me. Plus my mom and dad, and a faithful pastor in my home church. And I really felt like, okay, I want to help people like this the rest of my life. So yeah. really, at an early age, I felt called to ministry. And when I went to when I went to Furman to do undergraduate work, I deliberately did history and English, just as good liberal arts background because I knew I was headed to seminary. Mm-hmm. So I felt a call to ministry pretty early. I came under care of my local elders, and then the our presbytery examines people who feel like they're called to ministry, and I was examined, became a candidate of the presbytery, and really pursued ministry. I went to school for a long, long time because I had to do a master's degree and then a, a PhD, and uh so by the time—when I was 29, I was um, ordained okay, and uh, became a, a pastor and a seminary professor, and I've done that ever since.
0: All right. Now, another ministry question, because I'm just sitting here listening to you, and just knowing that a massive number of people who listen— to Truth and Love are going to be attenders at Together for the Gospel. Right. And you are one of the big guys in T4G. So how did that happen? How did you guys get mixed up together and that become a thing? It's
1: a friendship. You know, we we say Mark Dever is human Velcro. Uh, Mark Dever is the pastor of the Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. And when I was in Scotland doing my Ph.D. work at the University of Edinburgh, Mark was in Cambridge doing his Ph.D. at Cambridge. And we had a mutual friend. I would take the train down from Edinburgh and preach in Cambridge at a Presbyterian church. Mm-hmm. He was an associate pastor on staff at the at a Baptist Church in Cambridge, and this mutual friend the, a friend of mine uh, who was who was studying Old Testament at Cambridge, said, "Hey, you really need to meet Mark Dever. He is okay. the Baptist you <laughs> and uh, I, I met I met Mark and I loved him the first time I met him. In fact, the first time we talked, we talked for three hours. Oh. Oh, wow, and um, so from that time on, Mark and I got together every chance we could get, and he he was the first one to sort of start telling me personal things about Al Moeller. I knew of Al Moeller from reading articles of his in the Christian Index, which was the as as a Presbyterian who went to Furman in the days of the conservative resurgence Uh and tried to help my Southern Baptist friends not be taken in by theological liberalism under the guise of moderatism at Furman. I was really dialed into the whole Southern Baptist co- conservative resurgence. So I read Baptist papers, including the Christian index That's and incredible. said, man, there is a sharp guy over at the Georgia yeah. you know, Baptist paper writing really good articles on stuff. But I didn't huh. know him personally. Uh-huh. And um, Mark is the one who said, oh, man, you really need to get to, to meet Al Moeller. And so th- it was through Mark that I got to know Al personally and then got the to know CJ Mahaney personally, and mm-hmm. then we started getting together at least once a year. The four of us to to pray, to talk, to 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 stay up late doing stuff together, and uh, it's just one of those refreshing things that you do in ministry with friends that kind of recharges your batteries and gets you ready to go out there and you know do ministry for another year. And we did this for several years. And one night, you know, at 2 a.m., we're in Al Study in Louisville, downstairs, talking. And um, one of us, I can't remember who, it is, who, who said it, said, You know, wouldn't it be great if other ministers had these kinds of mm-hmm. friendships? you know with like-minded brothers we're not we're not all in the same denominational situation we don't even have the same kind of jobs but we're we we share so much core theology so many core ministry commitments and and it's just fun to be with one another mm. wouldn't it be great if other pastors could experience this too and um and and it was Al who said well we really ought to do a conference and and try and encourage that through the conference, you know, just sort of invite people into our friendships and then try and get them together out there with other like-minded brethren. And we all laughed and said, yeah, Al, there'll be like 30 people who will come oh, yeah. to a conference <laughs> like that. And he said, no, it'll be huge. Yeah. And we said, no, there'll be like 30 people that'll come to that. <laughs> and and the reason Al said it would be huge is not because anybody cared about the four of us. It was, it was because Al had been noticing the reformed resurgence that's going on out there in 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 the world. And all these young people that are fired up about the Bible, fired up about the sovereignty of God, fired up about the gospel of grace, fired up about good doctrine mm-hmm. and and fired up about doing ministry and evangelism and discipleship out out of the basis of good biblical doctrine and and theology. And he said there there's just a hunger out there for a, a, a conference that's aimed at young pastors that want to live that way and, and, and that could pull them together. Mm-hmm. And so we ran into what later got called the Young Restless Reformed yeah. Movement at the very first t4G we didn't create it it was already there we just ran into it yeah. and and we we provided a, a sort of a catalyst for it I think uh-huh. and I think people got together I mean if, at, at that first t4G we'd we'd ask people to stand up hey if you're in Athens Georgia stand up and yeah. you know nine guys in the room would stand up and we'd say hey do you guys know one another you need know, to have a Baptist guy a Presbyterian guy a, you know whatever you call a, a sovereign <laughs> grace guy an apostolic <laughs> charismatic or whatever you know and and they 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 well we don't know one yeah. another and we'd say okay, you guys need to get to know one another, yeah. you know. And that just happened all over mm. T four G and it, it became sort of an you know, every other year family reunion. I mean mm. I think that's one reason why um you know, every year we have probably fifty, sixty percent new people at T four G but that means we've got about 40% of guys that just keep coming back because yeah. it's like a big family reunion that yeah. just keeps growing. And um, that's really where it started is out of a friendship. I okay. mean, it's, it's really it's a conference that's a friendship. It's, it's, it's It was our way of trying to share a friendship and then model how friendships could happen out in the pastoral yeah. ministry.
0: That's wonderful. I know so many have benefited from that. Now, as we... Kind of move away from ministry and talk about your family. Yeah, uh,
1: your wife. Tell us about your yeah. wife. How you guys met? Yeah, Anne is amazing. Uh, Anne is from Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, g- grew up in a context where she did not hear the gospel in church. Very liberal Methodist mm-hmm. church. Um, heard the gospel from a young life director. Okay, and then a r- really awesome group of conservative Bible believing uh, students at Furman. She went to Furman as well. Uh, shared the gospel with her, she came to faith in christ her her semester her her very first semester really very very first week at furman okay uh and then was discipled went to went to really good churches in the in the Greenville area taught school for a couple of years and then went back to her home church what what became sort of her adopted home church Uh, First Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina, and they they had lost their Christian education director, didn't have anybody to run Vacation Bible School, and so the elders asked Ann, because she had all this education training, could you run VBS this year? She did. She did an amazing job, and they Mm -hmm. said, hey, you really need – to go into Christian education. So she ended up going to Gordon Conwell oh. in Boston and doing a Christian education degree. Charles Schaufel was there, and he was an Orthodox Presbyterian minister and just a, okay. a genius in CE. And she studied with David Wells and Roger okay. Nicole and okay. you know the 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 great that that was in the late seventies, early eighties, Gordon Conwell was an yeah, amazing guys, place. Yeah. And so she had a great experience there. She worked in a Presbyterian Church in Montgomery, Alabama, as a as a Christian education director, and then was called back to First Pres Columbia, where she was doing uh, Christian education as well. And then while working there, she'd worked there for six or seven years, and there were about 200 single women in that congregation, very large congregation, and she was the only female full-time on staff. And so when when female issues came into the church office, a lot of times the women preferred to talk with Anne yeah. about certain things. And she was running into stuff that she had no idea how to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so she said, you know what, I really need more training if I'm going to do this. And so the elders actually paid to send her to RTS to do a counseling degree. Okay. And that's where I intercepted her. Oh, all right, And uh, so I actually had to go not only to her father, but to the elders of First Presbyterian Church, asked for her hand in marriage, <laughs> no and they said yes, <laughs> and they did say yes. Thankfully. Good, All right. and so Anne um, Anne Ann worked in counseling for a few years until we had children. The doctors had told us that we would not be able to have children. Okay, and in God's kindness, He gave us a girl and a boy. Okay, uh, and so she she worked and did counseling for a few years when we were first married until the children came along, mm-hmm. and then she's been. Uh, a mother and a, and a wife and a supporter in in ministry. As the kids got older, she got back into uh, doing a little bit of school teaching, part time mm-hmm. school teaching at the at the school at where the kids were going, and is now the school college counselor for uh, women at the high school where my son and daughter, uh, my where my daughter attended and where my son still attends. And um, she you know she's just a very very wise godly. Uh, person who has, I mean, people just seek and out, and uh, they know that they can trust her. And yeah. she's just, she's just got so much common sense on how to, how to help people. Yeah. So,
0: and how long have y'all been married now?
1: We have been married for twenty five years. Twenty
0: five years, congratulations! Yeah. Thank you.
1: And you've got. Two kids, and they're how old? Uh, my daughter is almost 21, okay. and my son is almost 18.
0: Almost 18. So your kids are a little bit older now. Let's talk about when your kids were more on the young end of things. What did Christmas look like yeah. in your home?
1: Well, I mean, really, it looks very similar today. Oh, okay. Um, and, and that's Christmas is filled with, in our home, it's it's music. Okay church and family. If I I could, if I could sort of around those things, we're a very musical family. Okay. And, and so, you know, we have to, we have to fight to not start playing Christmas music in like July. (laughs) Yeah. And so we just, we, I love Christmas carols Uh and, um, you know, about November, I start playing stuff in my car. You know, and so <laughs> we we love. You know, our 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 Christmas is filled with music, and uh, we like to sing together. We like to listen to music together. Uh, my wife loves Christmas. When we were when we were in the, in the process of courting, one of the questions my wife said is, "Where are you on?" christmas knowing that some presbyterians can be a little bit stuffy about christmas you know and and she was she just wanted to know hey if you're not really all into christmas like this relationship is going nowhere yeah (laughs) so so, you know i I checked off all the right boxes (laughs) you know and and you normally we have like four christmas trees at the house okay i mean they're everywhere that's wonderful she is all about Uh, Christmas. And so, but music is big and then church. I mean, we, all of us have been in the choir, you know, typically Mm -hmm. even, even as the pastor of the church, the the choir director would let me sing in the the choir at Christmas time. Uh, just because I, I love, I mean, I love to sing. I, -hmm. I I took voice when I was in high school and college and have sung in, sang in my college choir and just love to do that. And so music in church is a big part of it. Our our church does a lot of special music mm-hmm. during Christmas, and a lot of people from all over the community come in for that special music. Like we Every year we do a lessons and carols service a week or so mm-hmm. before Christ, Christmas, and just thousands of people from the community come in for that service. That's wonderful. And then we, um, on, on Christmas Eve, our church does a family carol service, okay. which is, it's it's less than an hour long. Everybody comes there. They're wearing their Christmas sweaters and all, you know, everybody's, the whole family's together. Mm. You can hear the sound of babies crying yeah. filling the sanctuary and we sing Christmas carols. We read the Christmas story from Luke mm-hmm. and I have a brief um, message where we really, I'm I'm trying to help the young people there shape a a Christ centered view That's of of Christmas yeah. you know as as we as we get ready to go into that and so music in church is just a huge part of our christmas and then just family being with family i uh-huh. we we're in mississippi the rest of our family is in south carolina okay so being with family at christmas time is really special mm-hmm. to my kids and a lot of times we'll get my whole family to come down to mississippi and be with us uh, and sometimes we'll go and be with them, but just being able to be with family is really special to my kids. Okay, and then for because of my schedule, you know, it's just so nice to have a quiet week where we're together. I mean, I I'm, I don't play golf, I don't need, I don't hunt. I I do, I work at the seminary, preach the gospel, and I spend time with family. My mm-hmm. family is my that's the thing that I do to to unwind and and. And to sort of let my hair down and mm-hmm. to and to enjoy and and refresh and recharge. And so Christmas is just centered around those things, music, church, family. A favorite
0: Christmas memory?
1: Oh. Well, I mean, I, I'll go back to one way back to my childhood when I was um probably eleven or twelve years old my uh, my my youngest brother i have two younger brothers my youngest brother mel had a seizure mm. on um i think on christmas eve mm. and we almost lost him oh dear and um it, by god's grace we rushed him to the hospital he was revived and and recovered fully. It was, I, I'm not sure whether, ever, whether we ever fully understood what it was, but it was one of those, it was during that time where we were just learning about sudden infant death syndrome mm-hmm. and all that, and I, I don't know what kind of a seizure it was, but he stopped breathing and turned blue, and we had to rush him to the hospital. And so the, the and, and, and because of that, we were just totally unprepared for Christmas that year in a, in a number of ways. But just having him was enough for all of us. Yeah and um and i mother actually wrote a christmas letter a late christmas letter about that yeah. uh, that i think got to people in january just okay. saying that the the you know other than the gift of christ and salvation mm. the gift of having mel back was wow. you know we we just couldn't thank god for a better christmas than the fact that all five of us were still together so that that goes way back to my childhood um, and then, uh, you know, I, I think for uh, for us, the the first Christmas after... Sarah Kennedy was born in November, okay. and the doctors had told us we'd never have children. And so that first Christmas with Sarah Kennedy at home, and seeing Ann as a mother, because she's a really, really good mother, yeah. and just thinking, you know, she, this, this woman could have gone through life not being mm. a mother, yeah. and to see her with Sarah Kennedy... Uh, in our little house, our little you know nine hundred and fifty foot uh, square foot house uh, there in Jackson, Mississippi, with that with that child was just an, an amazing an amazing thing. And then the same thing after Jennings came along. Just, I found out about Jennings in Louisville. Oh yeah. Um, we were in Louisville for the PCA General Assembly. Okay. And and my wife was feeling strange, and so she actually called up Al's, Al Al Moeller's office and said, "Hey, is there like." Um, um, an OBGYN who's connected to the seminary that seminary students use or whatever. Yeah. Well, At that time, there was actually an OBGYN that was on the board at That's, Southern. Okay. And so Al's assistant got Ann connected with him, and she went and visited, and he said, Ms. Duncan, you're expecting. <laughs> and so I came back in from a from a general assembly meeting, and, um, and Ann said, okay, sit down, honey. You know, <laughs> and I sat down, and she said, we're going to have a baby, you know. And I like, <laughs> "What?" Yeah. And uh, so, you know, again, having we you had Jennings in February, so it was a long time before it was all four of us at uh, at Christmas. But again, I remember that year just thinking, "Okay, you know this this woman is now the mother of a of a daughter and a son, and um, how how wonderful that is."
0: You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. As it's Christmas week and the final days of 2017, I want to remind you that ACBC is able to exist in large part because of the gifts of people like you. Here at the end of the year, we are looking to finish out our year in a very strong financial position. And I want to ask you if you would consider making a gift to ACBC so that we can do that. We need $60,000 between now and the end of the year to finish in that strong position. And I would just ask you to pray for us and to consider how you might support us with an end-of-the-year gift. It would mean so much to us and would help us to continue to deliver these kinds of resources to you and your family. You can visit us at www.biblicalcounseling.com to find out how to do that. And in the meantime, I want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and